Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Protein Bros Podcast. I'm so excited that you came here because we have an awesome guest. Maybe one of my absolute favorite episodes we've done. It's with Micah Lassert. Uh, Micah is uh, an industry legend. He's been a fitness model. He has been in movies. He's been in documentaries. He's also been in charge of an amazing transformation gym called Hitch Fit, which they just reached 600,000 pounds lost between all of their clients. He is responsible for uh, so many unbelievable transformations. He's a very charismatic, very, very, very inspirational guy. And um, he just recently started another thing called Rock Body Retreats, which we get into as well. Um, They go all over the country, uh, different parts of the world, actually. And um, they have a ton of people that come with them. And so uh, if you're looking for someone who has absolutely done it all in fitness, who has reached the absolute pinnacle of fitness, um, all while staying completely humble, this is a great guy to listen to. I hope you tune in. And as always, please let us know what you guys think in the comments and also like and share the podcast if you guys got some joy out of it. This guy was and, Trav your, your business partner. So he was my business partner, but he became probably the fastest best friend that I ever had in my life. He mm-hmm. was a unicorn human being. Yeah. Like I had never met anyone like him before. And, you know, and I'm in gyms all day. Yeah, yeah. And and he just had this ability of making you feel like you were the most important person in the world and you were instantly impacted within a minute of talking to him. It was it was unbelievable. And so when we came together with rock, we, we can go into all that, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. when we came into rock body together, you know, one of the big things was, is his faith wasn't really strong on point. And my wife and I walked by faith. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of like, and he wasn't resistant against that. He had, he had just turned away from it. And two months before he died, we were in Mexico and he essentially gave his, his life back to Christ fully and turned his eyes and then you know when he passed we were just like oh dude yeah you know because this guy was just on fire for everything that he believed in Mm -hmm. and then you know to leave a wife two children man it's been you know as hard as hard gets right there it is i mean i mean think about the person that you care about the most outside of you know your lady or your 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 mom your dad and then just tragically dying at 47 years old, 37 years old. And then sure. Healthy as can be too. Oh dude. I mean, you know, best workout partner ever. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, and I talked to him probably 20 times a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I got a, I got a little video I'll show you guys at the end of this of just his energy. So you understand who he was, but he, he would get on stage and talk in front of 20,000 people and everybody would be changed in 10 minutes. It was like, dude, Wow. Like, you know, so yeah, it, it's, it's been tough. Was he from Kansas city? No, he lived down in Tampa. Oh, did he? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's where the connection is there. We, we had went and found the, 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 the hotel and the conference studio that we were going to do for the retreat or for the conference that we're doing in January. And I, you know, I, I had gotten this vision about six years ago to write my book. So I'm in the process of that. That will be out in a couple months. And that pretty much most people only know the story from 18 till now, right? They don't realize everything that I had to go through to survive, to get to 18. Yeah. And then make that, that pivot to essentially, you know, live a fitness lifestyle and how that saved my life. And so that book is pretty much based upon everything that I went through to get there. I moved over 30 times in 18 years. It was very unstable. 
And um, what was at the core of that of that moving? Were you, you know? were you a military family? Or no, was it was me and my mom, and wow. just a lot of inconsistency on her part and poor relationship decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, Figuring it we out, we saw a lot of abuse, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, and and then just financial decisions that wasn't disciplined. Um, and so we just moved a tremendous amount, which gave me the ability to make friends very quickly. Cause I, I went to so many different schools, Yeah. but I was also, you know, I think the negative side to it was I was, I wasn't capable of, I, I was, I was able to get rid of people very quickly sure. with no emotion, right. you know? And so did you grow up in uh, basically with confidence issues? Oh yeah. And, and it wasn't because I dealt with any bullying at school. I was actually a pretty popular kid and I, I was athletic. I was skinny, but, um, I, I ultimately, my mom had married a guy that was like a, not a good human being. Mm-hmm. And he was super adult bully and he used to chicken legs and all this stuff that, and I was at a very fragile point in my life at that point. And so it, it, it hurt me bad. And so fitness came in cause I was like, really angry. It came from an angry place initially. And then that then transitioning over to, wait a minute, like, yeah, physically I can get bigger muscles, but it's how I'm feeling inside and what it did to my mind. Yeah. And the shift with the confidence, with any anxiety that I was dealing with or depression or whatnot was like, oh my gosh, dude, like this is like a drug, but mm-hmm. like a really positive one. So, Did you have an aha moment there, Micah, when that happened? Do you remember what that was like, or was it more of a progressive thing? No. Uh, the physical change obviously takes a lot longer. You know, you have the muscle and whatnot that you're trying to to put on. You don't realize at that point, you know, you think, okay, I work out for two weeks and I'm going to have giant muscles. Like, Am it I doesn't work that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always the dysmorphia too, right? Yeah. Even if you did put on 30 pounds of muscle, you might still see that skinny kid. The, the, dude, and right. I mean, even this far down, you still struggle with it a little bit because you, you think about your former self yeah, and so yeah. much of what I've had to do through healing is go back to my younger self and make a better relationship with him. And that's been one of the most powerful tools that I've used outside of my faith and fitness to get to essentially the place that I'm at now and then be able to impact as many people as we have. Man, what you talk about there is, um, you know, a tool, right? Was that something that you were able to do? You know, you don't have to share as you don't want, but like, was this something that you did through therapy or was this something that you did on your own? I did it on my own. And this is where my faith came in so strong because at that particular point, I was very angry at God and not understanding. Essentially, he, to me at that point, was this overall father that was supposed to protect me. So I was questioning, am I making a whole bunch of bad choices and he's not protecting me? Like, what is going on here with this? And uh, ultimately, I, I was like, you know, forget this. Like, this guy doesn't exist or he's not helping. Like, you know, and so I turned my my head away from him. But the whole entire time, I continued to always hear him to the point where I would like scream sometimes and be like, dude, get out of my head. But he was always guiding me to something. What I didn't realize at the time that was so prophetic and powerful was, and we know this through science now, of how important it is to use things like fitness and working out and eating right to help with PTSD or trauma or pain or whatnot, just what it does inside the body you know, from myokins to your endorphins and whatnot, just from the contraction of a muscle and what that does to, to essentially help things like anxiety and depression and, and building confidence and whatnot. And so I'm using this really positive tool 
to help myself cope instead of turning to drugs or alcohol or or even therapy. I didn't go to therapy because I didn't want to talk about what I had gone through and the pain that was with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's another problem that's going on in America is men don't talk. Yeah, we don't talk about pain. That's true. The, you know the the, the the thing that you're talking about there that um, I feel like is low hanging fruit for people who have, you know, depression issues or anxiety issues um, is first and foremost is, is working out, working out hard, finding a tribe to work out with, you know, finding a group of people that you can surround yourself with that are supportive and then um, finding ways to do things for other people. I feel like those are low hanging fruits to, when it comes to dealing with anxiety or depression. Um, you know, and that's not to say that people don't need help beyond that with therapy or, you know, pharmaceuticals or, you know, that's obviously a controversial t- topic. But um, I feel like those things right there are that you're talking about um, are the low hanging fruit when somebody has those kind of issues. It's like the first thing that somebody yeah, should we, look we at. We talk about this all the time. It's like, I mean, this is something you see in the news every day when you have somebody who's like, you know, stressed, anxiety, depression, et cetera. Like, well, hey, man, what's your diet like? What's your diet all the way like, right? Like, what are you consuming? Not just food, right? What kind of, you know, how much time are you spending on social media? How much are you comparing yourself to others? These are all, so what Kyle's saying with the low hanging fruit, I think that's um, something you hear relatively often if you're looking for it, right? On a, from like a personal growth standpoint, but the point that you were just making about um, how you used fitness in a positive and like it was a positive addiction for you, right? Um, versus using other things of coping, right? Other ways of coping. What do you say to people who, because there's, for every person I've met like you, Micah, who has used fitness, um, they've used fitness to use it in a positive way to help with coping with some trauma or anxiety, et cetera. I know 10 more that are using it to numb themselves from being able to deal with any of those disassociation. And they walk around pissed off all the time and with this ego and with this, you know, not enough syndrome. And they just don't, I mean, it's like Haterville when it comes to the fitness industry, typically, and, you know, part of this podcast, and if you're listening at home, is on purpose to bring our community together, to lift each other up, to not be such a, you know, know, adversarial, you know, kind of role when it comes to the fitness industry. And so for what you're talking about, I feel like I just know so many more people, unfortunately, that are using fitness as a way to numb. Oh, I've always questioned why some people use something like fitness and go one direction and then fitness and go the other direction. It's something that I'm like doing research on. Uh, And even deeper than that, not just using fitness, there's a lot of people that don't use fitness at all that end up using, going to drugs and alcohol, some level of addiction to cover pain. Why are people choosing negative to positive? I don't know where that connection is if we all went through something that was somewhat similar. Um, And and so that's been something that I, I... I really want to dive into deep, um, especially with the men, because there's just not a lot of information out about it. Again, we have a stigma on us. We have to be macho. We can't cry. We can't talk about our feelings. We can't talk about pain. We have to always just, you know, suck it up, whatnot. And And the suicide numbers are through the roof. This is what I'm saying, but you can't hold on to darkness and trauma. Like Mm -hmm. you can't, you have to be able to talk about that. And for those people that, they get the opportunity to hear it from a man that actually is trustworthy to, to open up to you, respond right. Mm-hmm. It's really crucial that if they're sharing with you something about they, you know, their, their father was an alcoholic and was abusive or whatever, like respond with compassion and love. Because if you don't and you go to the whole suck it up, whatnot, 
that man will never open up ever again. Oh yeah. Dismiss you know? his feelings immediately. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Who did you have in your life that did that for you? Because at some point it became okay for you. And when was that? Yeah. So I, I had a really good, good group of friends in, in college and college was probably, I, I hid everything through my high school years. Um, you know, and, and you're still trying to develop brain wise. You're worried about the judgment of your friends. You're all of the stuff that I think is kind of put on to us, men and women and mm-hmm. boys and girls, you know, when you're growing up. But for me, I, I, I built a really good circle of friends when I was in college, specifically one guy named Nolan, and I was able to really open up to him in a way. And he's a, just a compassionate, great human being. And it helped me go, okay, like I'm not going to be judged by everybody for, you know, for things that really were not in my control. You know, it wasn't like, Hey man, I was a knucklehead. I made a whole bunch of bad mistakes. It was, I was a part of really bad circumstances that, that really I couldn't control, you know? Um, and so when I got to the age of 18, 19 and I went to college, Mm -hmm. what did I then gain? I gained back control. You had to pick your circumstances. I got to pick them. And that was the people we talked about all the things in our lives the people, the food I was putting in my body, the workouts, everything. So I fell into fitness because it was, I I went to Pitt State. I love Pitt State down there, but it was a culture shock for me because I was used to a lot of people, a lot of things to do, and there just wasn't either. And so there's a football stadium. (laughs) Yeah, there was a football stadium. What made you choose Pitt State though? um, So I had followed one of my best friends there. I really didn't have a whole lot of direction at 18. And he was like, I'm going to this place, Pitt State, a couple hours south. And I was like, okay, I'll go with you. They had a good business uh, uh, school there. And I knew I wanted to get either management or marketing as kind of the direction I wanted to go. And and so I followed him there. And within a couple weeks, I'm obviously homesick going, what in the world am I doing here? I found their local gym. I started working out and I was like, you know what? I want to wake up and I want to look like Van Damme one day. That was like my idol growing up and kickboxer and blood sport and all those. And I was like, and I think I can like achieve that body one day, you know, not the giant Arnold's. I didn't think that I had the genetics to get there, but from a, from a, you know, Van Damme standpoint, I was like, I think I can do that. You surpassed me, sir. (laughs) I appreciate it. I'm at least 50 pounds. (laughs) I still can't do the splits though. Mm. Um, Not, not in between two trucks for sure. (laughs) Next level. Um, But I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't the physical that, that really changed me. And we just talked about this earlier, but it was the, what happened to my brain within a couple weeks was, I was like, Oh my gosh, my anxiety started going down. I started feeling better and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, like this is, there's something with this, you know, and, and I'm trying to read, you're reading muscle and fitness magazine, Iron Man, all of those, but that's more of get jacked, yeah, get yeah. ripped. I didn't realize the mental psychological level. stuff that was going on and how it could be utilized essentially as therapy or my prescription drug. It was, it was, Hey, we're going to work out every single day. And I, I, in all honesty, I mean, it, it became an addiction that because I was, I was still trying to like, just get through so much of the pain that I was in. And so I utilized it as a way to cope looking back at it now. I mean, it was the absolute best decision I could have made. It, it just was. And, and what I mean by addiction is, is 
So a normal human being would look at what I was doing and think that it was an addiction. You're being obsessed. All that I was being was a bodybuilder right? and living a bodybuilder lifestyle. But if you break down what the bodybuilder schedule is, they're like, dude, that's crazy. You you wake up at 3.30 and you do what? You know, um, but for me, I'm like, this was a way and a tool that I was going to use to get my life back, you know, because there was parts of my life when I was younger that I lost all hope. And I, and I didn't think that I was going to, you know, essentially survive. Yeah. And that, that and then, that's the 18 year old kid right there. You know, you know, what's and crazy like is about that time um, frame, because, you know, late nineties is when I started, you know, reading, you know, muscular development and, mm-hmm. you know, um, flex magazine. And I didn't really think about this until you said it, but really those magazines, you never heard about anything except for the exterior of like, you know, fitness. There was never talks about how it helped you mentally. Oh, the there front was, page is, you know, six pack abs. And you know what I'm saying? It, it's kind of crazy. But they knew who yeah. their base was. Yeah, that's they true. knew we wanted yeah. that, yeah. you know, because then that was associated with more girls yeah. and more attention and bigger muscles and all the stuff that, you know, is surface level. Yeah. And, you know, at 18, I probably thought the exact same thing, you know? I mean, I mean we, that's we what got, that's that's what got that me into lifting weights. Was, yeah. I just want to be big and jacked. I remember <laughs> th- looking at pictures of like, uh, Jay Cutler and looking at his legs and being like, bro, if I could have legs like that and just squatting every single day, like this will eventually, right. You know, eventually I'll have legs like that. No, yeah, <laughs> I no didn't understand. I didn't understand the genetic component that went into that at that moment in my life. But yeah, it's just crazy to think, you know, how I, I feel like that's changed a little bit in the fitness industry. I think there's more people like you that are out there talking about, um, the mental, you know, what it does to you mentally, you know, and how, how exercise is truly the wonder drug. Like if you're taking any kind of pharmaceutical intervention and you're not exercising, it's like you're doing that backwards because exercise has been proven to be far more beneficial than any kind of pharmaceutical that you could take. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's some research that just came out. I don't know if you guys saw that one. I think it came out of Australia. Um, it was in the journal, uh, journal sports, British, somewhere in the UK there that it had come out, but it originally started in the UK or in Australia and 127,000 people they put into this uh, research study. They showed that exercise and fitness was 1.5 times more effective for anxiety and depression than any medication or counseling. I believe it. I don't disagree. And I'm like, dude, like, and not that, and I'm not against going to counseling. I think that that can be also, especially if you need to talk about that stuff for true healing. Um, You know, you got to get to the root of where the issue is and get through that. But when it comes to just living day to day and building, building a, you know, a a full life, like fitness and and eating right has to be a part of that. I feel, I feel like it's got to be, you know, in, in our modern society, there's not many things like we were, we were, you know, we evolved to, um, conquer things, you know, to basically go out and, and put our mind to something that is hard as hell, whether that's hunting something or, you know, and we just in modern day, we don't do that as much. And I think working out in fitness has kind of taken that place, you know, as something that's difficult that we can go do on a regular basis that we're not going to see direct results from right away. And you have to keep putting in that work over and over and over again. And over time, you know, you get that, that feeling of like actually, you know, building something. And it's, it, there's very few other things in life that give you that kind of satisfaction as, as fitness does. Well, and I would even take it even further to just the day to day of every time you work out, you get a high. 
Yeah, that's true. That is an extreme positive high. Mm-hmm. I mean, after I get done working out, I usually get on video after that point because I feel so good. And I'm like, dude, I want everyone to feel this way. Yeah. You know, and that was my original inspiration and why I wanted to get into the fitness world and help people because it saved me and, and made me feel the way that I wanted to feel. And I was like, there's a lot of people out there that don't feel like this, that deserve to feel like this, that yeah. should feel like this. And, and why wouldn't they do this? Is it just an education thing? Is it, you know, and so what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Why do you think that, because you know, it, it, obesity rates are only climbing, you know, people are having more and more of a difficult time getting into fitness and staying in good shape now more than ever. What, what is your, what's your hypothesis on why, what's contributing to that or the main factors that are contributing to that? So I think it comes down to two things. I think um, education is humongous. I think you have an industry that understands that there's a lot of individuals out there that are not educated. And they also they also know that people want it fast. You just look at marketing, just open it up, you'll see it everything is get results quick, don't have to make a change, You, you know, all the stuff that is leading to bottom line for them, but is leading to essentially failure for the individual. And so I think more truth about it needs to come out. But it also comes down, I think, to the individual, um, because they at the end of the day have to make the choices that are going to get them to their goal. And so I've said across the table, or or online with with nearly 15,000 people over my time of, of transforming people. And the common characteristic that I hear is I want to get those results, but when I hear the word, but then they're not ready. Mm-hmm. I want to get results and willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And what I've also found is, is men, men wait till rock bottom in a lot of situations. <laughs> yeah. We have Superman syndrome and we're like, you know, I used to be, you know, you should see my highlight reel in high school, you know? And I'm like, dude, you're 45 years old and 55 pounds overweight. Like you're not 18 anymore and ripped, you know? So we would get in the store, we'd get a lot of people that come in and they'd either be divorced stories. We'd get a lot of guys that are like fresh off a divorce or we'd get guys that um, have just came from the doctor and the doctors told them like, you got to lose weight. And uh, that was like a real, real common thing. You know, when I was working the counters in the store, I'm sure you get the same thing. Oh yeah. And they tell you how to live your life on top of it, you know? Oh man. And and speaking of like, don't ever get married. I wrote, I wrote a post on Facebook on, on marriage in general. And how, how ironic is it that we get in the best shape of our life for wedding day then we get out of shape during the marriage, and then we get in shape again after the divorce. What is wrong with that picture? Yeah. Like, if you want to be your best for your partner, for your kids, then you need to get healthy. You need to eat right. You need to work out on a regular basis. It literally eliminates a lot of stress. You're feeling better. You're the best version of yourself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, think about that, married folks. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a good clip. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to steer the conversation a little bit back towards um, you're back at Pitt State. You get your first job at a supplement store. Uh, it's a three letter name. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's when you fall in love with supplements, huh? Is that how it was that where it went? Yeah. So I, I had started working out and I think the one of the first it was. So this is 1997 to bring it way back. And I opened up the pages of a muscle and fitness. And the other one I had was Iron Man. And so 
I'm looking through and I'm seeing all these gigantic dudes holding these supplements that are like, and at the time, this is when creatine started taking like a Hell big, yeah. you know, and like, yeah. dude, take this and get jacked. And, and so, you know, I needed a little side job cause I was, I was paying, you know, for my own college and whatnot. So I had met one of the guys at the gym and he's like, I'm the manager at the GNC. We are three letter word that is less superior than, than super, <laughs> superstore. Um, but ultimately they have a few more stores. In this, they so. do. <laughs> they do. Um, you know, but anyways, so yeah, we, we ultimately, uh, um, I, I ended up getting hired over there and kind of just saw, I saw some nastiness within what was going on in the supplement world some holes that was going on in the supplement world, but also I saw people, it was, it was a tool for them to maybe start their motivation. It was, you know, I always tell people like, you got to eat right and you got to train. It can't just be about a supplement and you take a pill and all of a sudden you're going to get ripped and look awesome. Mm -hmm. Like it can be an enhancer to what you're doing. It can help you recover quicker. It can help you give more energy through those tough days. There's a lot of positives to supplementation, but you know, what, what I learned through that whole process was like, that was, you know, that was, that was a part of the equation, but not the whole equation. We like to say the icing on the cake. Yeah. They were, uh, they were cutting corners versus thinking of it as, but actually make the the work easier to follow through. 1997. It was full on like people thought back in the day. Yeah, that's true. To be fair, in 1997, you could get some, uh, some oral steroids completely over the counter. You had, you had ripped fuel, which was, and, and you had, you had the, the product, the one that, like we ran through walls with and you know that that's like you know i, I was never into Can drugs I guess guess ancient orange ultimate orange ultimate, ultimate orange. orange yes yeah. dude ultimate and it tastes like tang and oh, you yeah. literally would run through a wall and like what do they put in this and yeah. me and my buddy would like take a scoop and work out for six and a half hours and then fall over the first um, ever pre-workout, first yeah. ever pre-workout dude, it was so yeah. good um i was i was on an Am- amazon documentary um uh called called sups the movie oh and, dude. yeah we own it yeah, yeah. I actually rented out a theater yeah. and had her whole entire yeah so i, I know you're in it i'm on that one and then access muscle so alex is a really good friend of ours the director of that Ardenti, yes yeah. and and so i'll get to alex in a little bit because yeah. a shot that he took helped pivot my life okay at one point that i had that i lost everything so anyways but uh yeah in sups the movie what a cool because you guys are in sup world yeah, it's yeah like, we loved it dude but it brought me back to oh my gosh the weight gainer 4000 and the ultimate orange and the eas and all those old school 90s early 2000 products that was the wild west man it was but back what i was saying is back then you had because the internet has made information spread so fast back then the only information that you had was literally like, I'm going to read this magazine. Or if a buddy told you like, Hey, have you read, you know, Arnold's encyclopedia of bodybuilding yeah. or the like, AES book? Yeah. You had? Yeah. It's like, that's it. That's where you're the learning six, stuff. Uh, the from. six page ad reports. And I think at one point the supplement industry was taking advantage of that a little bit. Thousand percent. <laughs> I, I mean, it, or, or the dude that was like the most jacked guy in the, in the gym. And yeah. I was like, whatever that guy knows, he I need to know. He's got to be a friend, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then he goes, dude, I've been training for 20 years. And then yeah. I'm like, Oh, Okay. I just eat. I just yeah. eat a shitload of protein. That's right. Steak That's right. And, uh, whole milk. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah. Right, so man. yeah, it, yeah. That was that was a really fun time. So I I'm, I'm working at at that supplement store, and then um, you know at the same time really transforming my body. Um, and I actually started kind of personal training before I even got certified because I just had friends that were like, dude. 
I, I want to get in shape too. What are you doing? And so I, I, I really fell in love with the coaching teaching aspect of it and seeing people get result from it. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how the passion of, of helping others ended up coming into play. Mm-hmm. Was it was so when you were transforming yourself, mm. where was the first initial thought? Was it to, how do I monetize this? Right. Were you thinking in terms of like, Hey, I'd like to go like the fitness modeling route first, or was it the training side that came in first? You know what I mean? Because obviously transformations has been an unbelievable gift that you've been given, uh, for helping others with. But was that your initial thought as you were getting uh, going through your own personal transformation? Yeah. So fitness model came in later. Um, what happened was in in I started in 97, graduated in in 01. I went and got a real job. Um, so I worked at like an assistant manager at one of the, the busiest Sam's clubs in the in the in the nation at that time. And I absolutely hated it. Yeah. And it was good. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of tools of, of learning, you know, how to manage the, the guy that pushed the carts at 11 PM, getting them back into the, you know, 75 year old sample ladies to being able to learn management skills. But as far as just a systems and operation, I was like, I can't wake up and do this every day. Not a lot of joy. Yeah. And so I, I literally quit after about nine months and I said, I want to go be a personal trainer. My family is going, what are you doing? How old were you? I'm, I'm let's say 21 at that time. You were telling all your friends at the time that you were getting a great deal on, <laughs> on bulk meat, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were trying <laughs> to get that Sam's club yeah. hookup. That's have you I been mean. to Sam's club? They have yeah. the most, you know, yeah. amounts of yeah. meat and cheese. Oh, yeah. So we had, what's funny about Sam's club is I had to work in every department. At for you know an extended period of time to learn right. everything from yeah. the Can't cake unless to, you know, and right. I love the meat department because yeah. it was like you know he'd be like dude just have some more chicken you know and be like sweet you know <laughs> and so it was like a bodybuilder's world when it came to that but we you know I, I had to get out of that I knew that I needed to figure out how to wake up every single day and do what I love and that was one of the most important decisions that I ever made in my life yeah I put the money secondary and really focused on how to get the best at what it is I was doing with this transformation thing. And so I went and worked at like a YMCA. I couldn't start my business at that particular point. It wasn't in place. Um, But I was starting to run essentially transformation model in a retention model, which was anti corporate gym. And, and so, I mean, I ended up getting fired from two gyms. And then I realized I was like, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta like do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I get it from their standpoint, but for me, I didn't want to go into meetings and talk about sales quotas and how many sessions I had sold someone. I needed to know how much weight this person lost, how they're feeling like that mattered more to me because ultimately inside that's, that's what I was driven off of. Mm-hmm. And so as from, you, as you know, though, like you mentioned this earlier before we started the podcast, it's. You already knew in your heart, though, that if you got the result, that the money's going to be there. Correct. And so if you focus on the money, that's then, you know, people aren't stupid. They can see that you're focused on money. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're focused on their results. You have retention. That's right. You know? That's right. And, I, you know, for, for me, what was interesting, though, is I never wanted to work with somebody for a long period of time. I wanted to work with as many people as possible because for me, it was always impact. I did not want anyone usually longer than a year. And give them the skills, correct. Teach them to fish. That's right. I wanted to get them to an amazing place and teach them how to, to keep that forever. 
Um, and Adam Gross, who we had talked about, he was one of my very first clients when we had started Hitch or right before Hitch. Very Fit. good dude. Previous yes. Protein Bros. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, guest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he he was coming off a tough tough relationship, and he came in, and we got ripped, and and you see his whole entire life change, you know, from that. And we've been really good friends since then. So what I'm saying is, is I got, I got addicted and I'm obsessed with seeing each person that I get the opportunity to work with, make the changes necessary and change into the person that I ultimately believe they were created to be. I can relate to that a lot because when I, when we first started at supplement Superstores, um, you know, I had just graduated from college and most of my friends and family were like, hey, you know, are you going to go on and get a real job? And uh, it's hard to explain to somebody who hasn't done it. But when you give somebody advice that is fitness related, they go home, they follow it, they come back and they're like, dude, I did everything that you said. You know, I lost this amount of weight. I, I, I put this on my bench press, whatever the whatever, whatever advice you gave them was. And they come back and they're like, man, thank you so much. It's kind of like, you know, what you were talking about as far as in the gym where it's like it kind of gives you a high. It makes you feel good and it gives you purpose. And, um, you know, me and him both basically forwent the money aspect of things in the beginning because we were just like, you know what? Um, this is eventually this has got to work out for us. Eventually there has to be, you know, this has to be financially a good decision for us because we're making an impact. And I know that if we continue to make an impact on that many people, you know, it's eventually going to pay off for us. Um, so you, that whole story that you just had where you basically quit Sam's club, it's like, that's a very relatable story to me purely because I feel like we went through that where it was like, and you probably in your life, you had a lot of people around you that were like, why are you doing this? Yeah, and you're, you're mentioning like, your hey. family are just like, what are you quitting this? Like, you know, you got the job. job. You went you know? to school. You got the job. That's yeah. why my, my family was all like, you're not even doing anything with your degree. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'll figure it out. You know? Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll pivot even more because it got much worse than me just quitting my job. So I'm working at the YMCA. Um, one of my very, very good friends now, but I didn't know him at the time came up to me, a guy named David comes up to me and he goes, man, I see you here. You're grinding. Your discipline is like, you need to be a fitness model. And this is like, Oh, one, Oh two. And I'm like, what's a fitness model? I didn't know anyone in Kansas city or Kansas, Missouri, that was a fitness model on covers of magazines doing any of that sort of work. So yeah. I was like, he's like the dudes in magazines, supplements and all that. And I was like, I'm going to go be a fitness model. Yeah. And so I went and got connected with an agency local. And I said, I want to be a fitness model. And she laughed at me and she goes, you're in the wrong market for fitness modeling. <laughs> Go to LA. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Kyle and I really appreciate your support. Uh, we've been doing this for a really long time. and we want to let you know that we do this completely free. We don't run ads. We're not asking for anything from you guys except for one thing, and that is to pay it forward. Please tell a friend. Please give it a share. Please give it a like if you found any value in our podcast. Uh, we do this 100% to support local fitness. And so if you in turn uh, appreciate and support local fitness, we hope that you do share the podcast with somebody who could get value in it. Now, get you back to the episode. And so that's exactly what she said. She said, Miami, LA, you know, the areas that are going to shoot more of this. And so I ended up uh, saving enough money um, to, to get plane tickets. I made relationships off of MySpace and built a huge network on MySpace of about 150, 160,000 followers and literally built the entire business of HitchFit 
and my personal from the fitness side of being a fitness model, all from social media marketing on MySpace. Wow. Is how I did it. Not paying a dime. Super early adopter. Super early. And I ended up becoming one of the very first online personal trainers. And I started that in 06 um, to the point where I couldn't find anyone else doing it. And it kind of had happened by accident where this girl had reached out to me from Canada and she said, man, I'd love to work with you, but I live in Canada. And I was like, well, I think you could work with me. I'll just make you a plan. You can PayPal me. And, you know, and that, that's how that was born. Mm-hmm. She but, takes digital photos y- with y- digital cameras. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, emails them. and emails, yeah, it, yeah. it was so generic looking back at it, but like she ended up losing like 30 pounds and I go, oh my gosh, I have something. Oh yeah. And, and, but I couldn't figure out like, how am I going to educate people on this? Like of what it is? Cause it was new. Yeah. Yeah. How do you tell people? It is, it is funny now because it's so, so everywhere yeah. now that it's <laughs> right. like back then to think about yeah. it. Such a like, foreign concept. I mean, well, social media was new. Yeah. So like, well, I mean that, like this wasn't even what we think of social media now. This is MySpace, which yeah. is like, it took 17 minutes for the page to load because all of your graphics and the song your had songs. to load. The song, your <laughs> you top know? eight, yeah. man, all, you hurt a lot of feelings. <laughs> correct. So it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's wild to think that you know, this is a time where you genuinely had to figure out how do I tell people what I do in a small blurb, right? Because you still only, you, you still only have a small amount of time to capture the attention, and they have they're going to ask so many questions. You know, um, this reminds me of the same around time uh, Netflix when they were like, no, 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 you don't go to a store. Like the DVD comes in the mail, you watch DVD when you're done. We give you envelopes, keep those, and then you know, and like I just like how. Your parents would just be like, "How this would you ever a do this?" This is a blockbuster. Yeah, like I mean, like, what am I doing with this? And then they just never send them back, and they hold on. You know what I mean? And so, like, this is just a wild time in the world where like people are getting connected for the first time, and we don't know how to do with it. You know what I mean? Or yeah. What to do with it? That's so very cool. That's fun. A, that's fun so story. all this yeah. stuff is kind of happening at the same time. I have multiple streams of that that I'm working on at the same time of like building my own personal with fitness modeling, trying to get on covers and whatnot. And I'll, I'll tell you in a little bit how all that came about. And then at the same time, working on the business with eventually what would be hitch fit. And so like using MySpace and the really cool thing about MySpace at the time, looking back at it now is we look at social media marketers. We look at algorithms and trying to always be ahead of the game of how things are flowing, whether it be real stories, all that. But back in the day, we didn't, it wasn't about likes and getting as many likes and and whatnot. So MySpace world, we had this ability of utilizing what was called bulletins and bulletins were kind of like early stage notes on Facebook, if you remember those, Mm -hmm. but the algorithms were set up in a way that if they were on your friends list, they had to see the bulletin. Mm -hmm. So when I, once I figured that out, I was like, oh my goodness. And so I literally found this software that after I built all these different copies for different things from transformation to my own personal stuff to whatnot, I just set it on timers and it would automatically post like a Hootsuite is now or, or one of the, you know, the, the automated things now, but it was way back in the day, probably one of the very first ones. And so no matter if I was sleeping, working, whatnot, it was always working for me. And that's how I ended up building. And you get a lot of flack and whatnot, but I didn't care about that. I yeah. was like, I'm going to help the people that I can help. And you're casting and, a big net. Yeah. Huge yeah. Net. So well, I, I and, 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 and how did I come up with all that? Because I literally, I didn't have a lot mm-hmm. and I had gone through everything that I had gone through. So I'm like, I have no fear. I'm like, dude, I'm going to go and just do stuff that like, I'm not seeing anyone else do. 
And so when I got into the fitness modeling, this was, this is where I got a lot of the flack because that was new too in this area. And then all of a sudden, oh, he thinks he's a model and, and everything else. And I mean, I even had a girlfriend tell a photographer that I'd worked with, like, why is he wasting his time in all of this? You know, wow. and I ended up finding that out because it was so new. It wasn't traditional. It was, you know, a lot of people want what is stable and what is normal and oh, yeah. whatnot. And I just was not normal. I was like, I'm, I'm going to run things exactly the way that I want to run things and go wake up and do what I love. I fear so much now that we're getting a little older, right? Kyle and I are in charge of some kids and it's like, I fear so badly. Luke, Luke over there being, Children. uh, yeah, just being the person that would say that. So we once had a guy leave our company and we were in our infancy stage, Kyle and I, we only had, I think maybe one location at the time and him and I had already been through in quotes, like the shit, the grind, you know, a decade of just of nose to the grindstone. And this guy is like 19 years old. He's just finding himself. And he's like, man, I'm going to move and become a famous YouTuber. I want to be Colin Von Moger. And this kid looked nothing like Colin Von Moger. <laughs> right. And we're like, what are you doing, dude? You should be doing this. You know? And in my head, I'm like, we're being those people. Mm. We're telling a young guy to not follow his dreams. What are we doing? <laughs> and so I was like, dude, Hey, um, you know what? Go do that. And, um, that guy now has like 2 million TikTok followers. Dude, good on him, man. I think he might be as depressed as hell. Just saying. I, as I've got like, <laughs> he's, he's not dealt with any things he needs to deal with. But I mean, like that dude is a hundred percent went and did it. And you got to give him all the props. As I've yeah. matured as a person, I've, I've come to realize that you're just not going to hang on to all your employees. You've probably yeah. learned that over time too. And that you really, my goal is just to do is, is good of a job and mentoring young people to where hopefully they want to stay with us. If they don't want to stay with us, hopefully that they leave our company and they're a better person. Yeah. You know? Give them perspectives. But at the beginning decision, you're you know? like, no, no, you should want to stay here. Or, <laughs> or like, you know, you should do the traditional guide or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like, live out your dream. Don't live out my dream for you. Yeah. You know, what's crazy about your story though, is like most people have somebody in their life that they look to that is like the example of what they kind of replicate in their life. Mm. And, um, you being so out of the box with what you were doing, being a fitness model in Kansas city, you know, which would still be, you know, there's still only a handful of people that I think probably do that in Kansas city currently. Um, who was that, that kind of inspired you to do that? Or who, I guess what inspired your, your, your mindset to do that? Because it seems like you were kind of in a constrained mindset when you were younger and then it just broke free. And it seems like there's gotta be a catalyst that happened. You mentioned that someone came up to you at the gym and said that to you. Yeah. So, so Dave, oh, had, Dave. David had yeah. said that that was my pivot, what yeah. I call or catalyst, whatnot. Um, that was my pivot, but I had that in me already. Yeah. Like that discipline and that drive. Cause you got, you got to remember when I was in college, those five years I had transformed not only physically, I'd built muscle, I looked better, but I'm talking internally of, of what was going on. Yeah. So I'll ask you guys a question. Who talks to you most in your life? Uh, my fiance, my wife. No, yourself. Yourself. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So that's think about point. it. My first 18 years or, or a big portion of those, my self-talk was terrible. I'm thinking negative. I'm thinking depression. I'm thinking anxiety, whatnot. And in that five years after I found fitness, got my faith a little bit tighter, whatnot. I'm now speaking things inside of myself that are like, I'm going to go do huge things. And I remember, you know, in the gym, every rep, 
thinking to myself, every rep, every sweat that comes down, every tear, anything that I'm going through, this pain I'm going through is seeping out of my body and in and, and replacement, I'm going to go achieve and make impact in other people's lives. And so that's where it came from. And so I instilled a insane discipline at around the age of 18. I mean, to the point I didn't drink alcohol till I was 21, not one sip. And we would go out to the clubs, me and Nolan and some of the buddies, but I had to be home by 12 because I needed X amount of hours to sleep to then wake up in the morning and train. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I operated because I found this new life that literally saved my life. And I was like, I'm not getting off course. I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't matter to me. Like, you stick I out like such good. a sore thumb at that age when you're like that. It doesn't oh, care. yeah. It's crazy. Man. I mean, <laughs> when you're but like, also I'm knew I was always designated driver. Like, yeah. he's like, my God, dude, he'll like, pick me up. He'll drop me off. You know, Pros so, and cons, yeah. for sure. I yeah. do see, I see that more often now in younger people, though, you know, than when we were that age. Like, when we were that age, everybody, you know, was partying. You know, there was very few people that were like that. But now the younger generation, I mean, I would say the majority of our employees now are kind of like that. You know, Part of the joy of social media, I think, is that people have been able to see, um, you know, kind of like characters in a game. If you want to gamify this, it's like they've seen how these things play out, you know, through social media. And so like Luke here, who's younger, can you attest to that at all? So you see how these, you know, you see how this book ends. And so you're like, you know what? I can tell from a younger age, like. We grew up, I feel like we got to watch, let's say, like, you know, the D.A.R.E. program, mm-hmm. right? We saw, like, videos of, like, how... So I, in my head, was so terrified of doing drugs as a young kid purely because of what I saw in school and, like, what I saw older people get into, and I was I just, I was thinking like, everyone's going to offer me heroin everywhere. Yeah, it's like, like, it's, <laughs> like, it's just, like, not going to be me, right? But then when you, got to high, when you got to college, it was, like, the Wild West. Well, it's like, when you, through social media, I mean, my freshman year was the first year ever in college, was the first year ever that Facebook was in, was, was now integrated, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, we had high school Facebook my senior year, and that changed the game, right? And everybody was using MySpace and Facebook, et cetera. But I'm saying, like, his generation can see completely what where things go, and it's like, you know better walking into it now. It's like, you just don't need to, I guess, learn the hard way as, as many of us did. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, it, and I guess what I was trying to say is the younger generation, I wasn't saying they had aspirations like you did or had uh, thought of their life in a, in a much higher way like you had built. I would just say they're more likely to want to go to bed, not drink, not stay out super late, um, be disciplined when it comes to working out. But there is still somewhat of a disconnect, I think, with the younger generation and expecting more of themselves in certain situations. So, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. The, which, uh, is, which is a departure from basically your life story at that point. I, I think the other big issue that we're having nowadays is just connection in general. Yeah. And, I mean, how often is it that, you know, you're actually talking on the phone to a friend? Yeah. How, how often are you? Every day. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, but you got to be intentional with it because totally. we want to go and text. How many times do you actually go and see a friend and hug them, tell them you love them and everything else? Like it, it, we live in this fast paced world, you know, that is set up to essentially everything is, you know, it's unfortunately less connection. Yeah. Automate as much as you can. There's the younger generation gets in the doom scrolling, you know, and I've done it and you know, we do it, you know, but I think that more often than not, the younger generation is is sucked in by social media and, you know, can just it, it seems polarizing, YouTube right? It's YouTube. like, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Mike? I feel like it's 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 seemingly to me from what I watch from our younger generation that work for us, 
it's polarizing. It's one way or the other. It's either they're doom scrolling, like you're saying, or they're playing the comparison game. Or I've seen this awesome new cool generation of people that like don't put a lot of at all uh, equity or stock into their social media presence. They have it, but their goal is not to get the most likes or the most followers. And they simply just post like what they did the last month versus in the moment trying to always be, you know, showing themselves to create that, um, you know, the, the FOMO, if you will, for their friends. Like, look where I'm at. Look how much good of a time I'm having. There's a person that posts like 10 seconds after something cool happens, but I see a whole lot more people now that are waiting a whole month to post what they did in the last month. I think that's like kind of a trendy thing is like, this is my August dump of photos. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we didn't have the businesses, I would be, it would be far less time on social media for sure. Um, We have to, from a business standpoint. And so knowing that we have to be as connected as we are, I, I do more social media than, than my wife does, but um, you know, I always tell people, like, if you're going to be on these platforms, post positive, man. Yeah. You know, like, lift people up. I understand the negative, get more engagement. I, I get all of that. But, like, how many people are, are doing this for, mono, you know, for, for money? And, and, yeah, most people are on there, like, just puking out their emotions. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I'm like, hey, dude, we all go through rough stuff. It's okay to post some of that stuff sometimes. But... Like use your platform to really lift people up and you're going to get a lot more joy out of that as well. We talk about happiness. We talk about joy and you, you had mentioned about giving back. Like it's huge. It's such a huge thing to give back because that's the foundational stuff is the joy. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you, so how do we transition from transformations, right? We're at 160,000, you know, followers on, on a MySpace. Are they, but they were called friends at the time. Yeah. I want to say, yeah. Right. So you have 160,000 friends. Uh, Tom is number one. You guys don't know Tom. <laughs> you better left him as number oh, one. Oh, man. If you don't know Tom, she's too young for you. He's right up there with <laughs> Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> so you have um, all this is going, which again is just like such a cool thing. You know what I mean? And then you have this situation where you have the fitness modeling going too. How did you know which one to focus on at the time? And was it really just you were playing whatever came at you? No, I played them together. I aligned them perfectly because the more that I got out in the fitness model world, the more clients I got. Sure. And so they were working off of one another. And I had learned something from um, a couple guys that were in Those are your abs of steel? Yeah. That was the first cover I was ever on. That story is really cool. That was way back 2004, 2005. Yep. Uh, So, you know, I'll tell you what, like he had told me, he said, you got to use the industry. Don't let the industry use you. And I said, whoa, you know, like that's powerful because I saw so many athletes going into competitors, fitness models, whatnot, where the industry would chew them up, swallow them, spit them out, you know, over and over and over and replace them with somebody new. And I was like, I want something that's more foundational. And so I had literally just got in at a perfect time where there was six, seven, eight of us that were doing a ton of work, you know, Greg Plitz of the world and TJ Hobins and, you know, that we're doing a ton of, you know, magazine what, stuff. The what only difference was though, like, how did you, you know, that six or seven, I'm assuming was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of hard work. It was relationships. And this goes back to connection is like back in the day, it wasn't like, Oh, how many followers do you have? And how impactful can that be for my business? Back in the day, it was when you made a relationship with muscle and fitness through someone else, you ended up having to go get yourself in shape and make the relationships with the editor, with whatnot. And, 
and and essentially come through on the shoot like it had and that's how you got rebooked and that's how you got the opportunity to shoot on covers and and do all of that so for me it was always about making those relationships and being as professional and authentic as I could be and that's essentially how I ended up getting as many covers as I did I ended up getting in over 100 fitness magazines during that time out wow. of Kansas City that's amazing so man cool. so like, so did you congrats on that by did way. you move during this time? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how did we get away with not moving? Yeah. And, okay. And here's my so, question is, why so would you I was stay? a little dishonest early. Okay. okay. And, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, so on MySpace, I essentially said that I was from four places. And, and so the casting managers didn't know. They just thought, okay, he may, he's probably stationed in one of these places. And so when I would get a call and they'd be like, hey, you need to be here in three days, whatnot. I always stayed in shape at that point. I didn't go through a lot of bulks either because I had to stay tighter. Um, and so I kind of stayed in a smaller frame for quite a while. And then, and then I went through periods where I went through bulks and put on more mass when I was trying to get more of the muscle and fitness comparative to yeah. men's workout or some of the other smaller guy magazines. So I, I ultimately like, that's how I did it initially. And then once I built the relationships, then it was like, yeah, I've always lived in Kansas oh, by City. The way. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, just, what? They just, yeah, they had to consider you first, yes. though, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was making the relationships with the magazines and all of the people. Robert Kennedy was another one of them before he had passed. And I had shot for Maximum Fitness and made those relationships. And, you know, and then really building strong friendships with guys like Greg Plitt and some of the guys that were really big in the game at that particular point and Michael O'Hearn and you know I had met him and we weren't super close at that point but this was he was big at that point but now social media has taken it to like you know well, gigantic also, place Greg Plitt I mean for all you youngins listening he, dude, was, he was the, the dude, dude. Yeah. the best of the best dude man. and like yeah and he I'll tell you the story about Greg is, is I worked with uh, another friend of mine was a guy named Jesse Pavelka. Jesse ended up being his roommate, um, during, during that period of time. Um, and Greg, man, he was 100 all the time. And what I mean by that is like his lifestyle was 100, either crazy going out drinking and partying and then living this fitness lifestyle Every morning at four or five a.m., it didn't matter what he did the night before. I mean, it was unbelievable that he could operate at that pace. And if you ever got the, you can go watch his videos on YouTube or whatever. But what you're seeing from him is authentic to the core. Like he lived that way. He didn't have a whole lot of people that were in his circle um, because everybody was just trying to pull on his tailcoat and get something from Greg. But he was the dude, man. He was number one. It yeah. wasn't even close. Yeah, it you was, guys don't know him. Look him up. Um, oh, unbelievable story. He was, he was probably passing, the know, first yeah. major, major like YouTube star that was in the fitness industry. I'm trying to think of anybody else that was besides him. Uh, I mean, you can make a case maybe for like Jamie Eason. Yeah, Jamie's a yeah. good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, Jamie's awesome. But gonna, she just didn't have as much content as Greg Plitt put out. He just put out so much content. I remember you're that. you're in a spot too where it's like, man, there's Jesse Pavelka's in this one. Oh, great. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I've, man, we could talk all day on this. So, you know, because we were just in this generation, I think just one under you in the sense of like, we'd be looking up to you all the time. You know what I mean? And so this is like, oh, six, oh, eight, you know, we're graduating high school. And, um, 
you know, this is a time frame where uh, bodybuilding.com is humongous, right? And body space. And so I was going to ask with your, uh, the proliferation of your growth in MySpace, did you join in on the body space? Did you have a body space profile? Yeah, so I did and, and it was growing, but I was utilizing MySpace so much. Like it was, it was what was facilitating everything where I didn't, I didn't utilize bodybuilding.com body space at the time as effectively looking back as I probably should have. I had got into YouTube really quick early too. And I took just an, a hiatus. It was another mistake that I made because I, I should have continued doing that, but we were transitioning into the business. It was just really busy. Juice wasn't at, worth the squeeze yeah, at the time. At the, at the time, but looking at it now, having that longer of a foundation would have been really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, man, what a, what a cool period of time. I mean, that was, you know, and, and for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm single during that time. So I didn't have. I didn't have really anything holding me back. I literally could just wake up and just like live and, and do everything that I wanted to. And then, you know, uh, <laughs> and calves was always my thing too. Cause King I, of I, calves. I, yeah. I, I was, I was, I, I grew up with very, very skinny calves. And so, yeah, I always say 4 million reps later, you can, uh, you can get them too. take, take your, uh, take your weakness and make it a strength. Yeah. Yeah. Still 20,000 views 15 <laughs> years later. I, I, I got a, uh, I got a, video. I got a yep. question for you. This is maybe a little personal, but I think it would be interesting for listeners to hear. So as a fitness model in the early two thousands, how much were you making? Not a lot. Yeah. So I, okay. So there's direct money that was coming in from fitness modeling, but like, you know, a cover, you're talking a thousand bucks, like really? it's nothing. But where I made money was exactly the other side was if I got on Exposure. a cover of a magazine, oh man, mm-hmm. I was getting so many other jobs and opportunities. I was also still with my agency in Kansas city mm-hmm. at the time exposure. And, and so I was doing a lot of work with them. There was a lot of money coming from different streams, but it wasn't, it wasn't from actually doing the but jobs of fitness the credibility modeling. and legitimacy yes. to your brand though. That's right? right. That's right. I feel like, uh, there's, there's this sense that, you know, in that time frame, there was so much more money to be had from sponsorships and from, you know, magazines and things like that. Um, but you know, now it's just, it seems like most, most of the money in the fitness industry, if you are an athlete is now tied to, well, there's, there's contracts that pay people, but there's also tied to basically selling product, you know, using a link or something like that. So I was interested to know if there was, if that was, you know, true or not. So, yeah, I mean, now it's a lot of affiliate marketing affiliate where, marketing. yeah, where you're, you're connected through links or promo codes or whatnot. Now, um, back we, then that was just a contract, yeah, right? Back then, you know, Michael O'Hearn would sign a $50,000 deal for muscle tech or Christian Boving or, you know, and, and these guys would end up getting large, large deals. Yeah. Um, and then you had the competitor side. So this is something that needs to be talked about a little bit too. So there were two different separate sides of the fitness industry. There were fitness modeling and all of that. And then there was competitors, and sometimes those crossed over and sometimes they didn't. Greg was not a competitor. I wasn't a competitor. There was a lot of guys on the fitness modeling side that weren't competing. Mm-hmm. And then you had the competition side of the, you know, the much bigger guys, the mm-hmm. Ronnies and, and everybody. That. And, we didn't yeah. have physique. We didn't have classic at that time. You had 212 and you had the big boys. And then, you know, and that even on it. the female and that was, that was it. it. Yeah. You had to be jacked or you ain't getting on stage, you know. Um, and then the girls side, you know, bikini didn't come till later either. You had figure and, you know, and so and then the the. The, the super jack girls. And so it was like, I mean, that, that was the world. 
and I was never really interested in competing. Yeah. Because I was like, I really like the fitness model. I like traveling. I like, you know, and I had talked to quite a few competitors and they're like, dude, you got to live under a rock for nine months and do nothing but train and eat and whatnot. And I'm going, man, I got all this other stuff going on. I don't want to do that. And so that's how I had initially, I ended up competing and doing all that world, but yeah. uh, mainly due to my wife and, we'll and Paul Dillette. WBFF? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Um, early, early days WBFF. Right. So this is, this is 09. We're, um, so, what's so we're working, well, this is what's cool though. We're, we're working at Selman Superstores in 09. You know, and, and I know about the WBFF because I have customers who are like, Hey, I'm no longer going to be competing in NPC. I'm going up to WBFF. I'm going to try out this new, um, this brand new kind of uh, category called muscle model. Mm-hmm. Josh, Hebb, Josh, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I know Josh. Yeah. 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 yeah he yeah. did From one of our shows. Right. Yeah. He did one of our shows. Yeah. Yep. He used to be a regular in our store. I remember I'm on stage. I yeah. judged him. Yeah. He yep. was, yeah. He's a great dude, yep. but he showed up and he had never done that before. But then, um, Dylan also did it. Um, what's his last name? He owns a gym in Springfield now. Did CrossFit had that like J Pouch deal? Oh, oh uh, Dylan. Dylan um, uh, I know Dylan. The, yeah. it was like he competed too. Yeah, in our show. Mm-hmm. Both they both did the muscle model yep. category. At like 20, 21 yep. years old. Yep. And um, you know, like that's what was my introduction to the WBFF, and so I was excited to talk to you about that. So but, small world. You know. That that's that's when I won the world championship that year, yeah. and so that was the first year that they put muscle model into the show. So how muscle model came was. I had run fitness model for multiple years and fitness model at that time, they had kind of blended what fame was doing. If you remember fame where they had like a theme wear round for guys and they had, you know, evening wear round for guys and they had, you know, physique and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I just remember going, I hated doing like the theme wear. I was like, you know, one year I was like the 10 man and my wife came out in a Dorothy. I mean, it was, there it is right there. And, and, you know, we, we, we had a blast with it, but I, I, I was on the phone with Paul and I was like, dude, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore, man. (laughs) <laughs> and he goes, you know, like you've gotten your physique to a point where fitness model is not where you're at. I really want to work on building a category between fitness model and bodybuilding. And I think muscle model is is kind of what I want to do. Physique and that's essentially. Legs. And so one of the very first mu- muscle model shows happened at the Kansas City show that we hosted at the Midland. And man, we had dudes. Su- I mean, we had a lineup that I think we ended up giving five pro cards away. And at Worlds, those guys ended up placing top 10, the five the five that were there. Wow. Really? You know, it was A.J. Ellison, Sean Harley. There was a whole Some bunch big of names. Yes. Yeah. A.J. Ellison was yeah. world champ for how yeah, many years yeah, in a row? Yeah. He won, he, so I, I won in 11. He won. He got third that year. Sean got second. And then I think A.J. won two or three years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wild times, wow. man. Just a. Just a really cool thing because like um, now that we're a little older, it's it's under to me, I have so much respect for people who are trying something that's never been done and have the balls to do it, to be a pioneer, to say, hey, this is how we've always done it. But I don't really like that. I'm going to try something else, you know, and so I think it's super cool that you guys went through that. So much respect for that. You know, we we just we almost just always lived outside of the box and it was like, what do we want to do? What is holding us back from doing it? Is it the judgment of others? Is it the standard that other people create? Because I don't want to live that standard. I want to live the standard of waking up and doing exactly what it is I want to do and go make a massive impact, like I've said. And so we always have done things that way, like big splash stuff that people are like, what are you about to go do? But we've done it so long now, 14, 15 years together with my wife that 
like it's just it's expected now you know so it's been fun well let's talk about impact stuff so with hitch fit you guys are like very well known across the country as far as like being i would say one of the pioneers in the transformation space especially going into the social media age how many transformations have you guys done so we just went over six hundred thousand pounds last year lost in 81 countries globally wild Thousands and thousands. If you walk into our gym, I was about to say, tell about like come to our gym anytime. Like uh, we have one in Parkville, which is a little dry for you guys from here. But I mean, thousands of pictures all over the walls. And I and I can go in and I can talk about each one of these people and their why. There's Terrain. He there's Rob. He lost 115 pounds at 50. My fiance had her first transformation at your guys's gym. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, she did a natural show. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, you guys also. uh, so my, I want to tell you like what our impression of HitchFit was when we first started here. Yeah. Cause I had met you of course. Right. Yeah. And you know, we're the new guy in town and you guys sell Magnum and we sell Magnum. And so we had met a handful of trainers, but all we keep hearing about is just like how unbelievably influential um, you and your wife were. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, do we ever see them? They're like, well, no, like they're always off doing this and this and this. And you know, and they were never saying anything negative in the sense of like you were doing being too cool. It's like you were working, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, Jamie, I believe was her name, yeah. was one of the trainers. Yeah. She had just done a show and done really well. And we would talk to her about, you know, some kind of partnership or something along those lines. And, um, but I, I, I left seeing your gym and I walked in and the first thing that you notice, of course, is like head to toe, the whole walls are just nothing but unbelievable transformations. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, we utilize that for multiple things. It's, it's an instant impact, but when we're sitting across the table or eye to eye with an individual day one and they start spewing excuses, then I go, okay, stand up, come over here with me. I'm going to show you 45 different people yeah. that, that ultimately were excuses. bigger in yeah. worse situations yeah. with bigger excuses. Mm-hmm. And More then kids. we got to talk about your why, yeah, you yeah. know? And so it's a really powerful tool because you can't walk into our gyms and not be inspired by what has happened. And, you know, today we had a 90 year old in there that is, is grinding away. And I said, Fred, man, like why? And he goes, because I want to live the rest of my, my life as full as possible. You know, that's 90. How now cool. we can't have an excuse on age. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. well, I'm 50. I'm too old now. Well, that's that's the lie that you told yourself. Yeah, the 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 transformation thing, too. It's like, you know, it's it's 50 percent transfer of knowledge. So giving them the plan that they need to follow. But I think the the part that people have to understand is the other 50 percent of that is, you know, being a charismatic person that actually cares um, and is motivating to people because people's whys they need to be reminded of it a lot. And also something that we tell our guys here is that, you know, a lot of times you're the most um, positive person that they have in their life. They're going to go back to a family that's eating like crap. That's trying to get them to drink. That's trying to get them to, you know, basically fall off their plan, bring them basically crabs in a bucket. Right. And you have to be so overwhelmingly positive and motivational to these people that they're able to say no in those situations. And I think that, you know, when, when I see all those transformations and I know, you know, you guys are at 600,000 pounds lost, I, I, I respect how much, you know, how knowledgeable you are to get somebody to that point. But I really respect the ability to consistently be able to motivate people and um, be charismatic enough to make them want to follow through on that. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. Man. Turn, turn You absolutely create self-belief for people. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's what I always tell everyone. I said, there's better trainers in the world than me. But there's very few people that can brainwash people in believing in themselves better than me. Yeah. 
And that is where the success came from. Because if you know transformation world, it's not trainer world. Yeah. Trainer world is trying to, knowing that I'm trying to retain this client for an extended period of time. Not that their heart is not in it, but it's a different deal when money is at the top or retaining that person because you're scared that you're not going to be able to pay your bills, whatnot. When transformation is in place, we're diving in so deep to these people. They're telling us things that they may have never told anyone. And because we're going in and we're essentially trying to help them heal um, from the inside out. And it always starts with the mind and putting belief back into themselves. I always do this tactic with, with, with new clients that I know's confidence isn't right. I put them in front of a mirror and start working out. And I want to see if they'll look at themselves or not, because it tells me everything about where their confidence level is. And within weeks, you start seeing them shift their eyes up a little bit and starting to wear tank tops and starting. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always like, like, especially with my guys, I'm I'm like, and I talk to their wives too. And I'll be like, dude, your husband is about to turn into a monster, like a 17 year old monster where every mirror, he just like flexes instantly. (laughs) He wears no clothes. (laughs) Like it's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. it's, it's, It's a part of it. We still have that, you know, that 17 year old boy in us, but, um, you know, it's so powerful, man. So I, I selfishly just get so much out of going through that process. Unfortunately, I can't spend 40 hours in the gym anymore. We, we have a lot of commitments, but I still, you know, am in the gym about 10 hours a week, 12 hours a week with clients because purely just from a joy standpoint, I yeah. just love seeing people go through the process. That energy exchange is unmatched, man. We, it's amazing. We first got out of the counter, right? Working the counter. In your head, when you're a kid, you're working the counter and you're like, man, I can't wait to get out of the store. I can't wait to, you know, you know, start running the business and not working in the business. And then like the second, you know, we're out of the business, we're like, man, that was cool. Why am I, why was I so I miss excited talking to, to people? Yeah, I really you got to do all the other stuff yeah. that people don't think about. Yeah, you, don't miss, you miss all the fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the connecting every day with those conversations and, and um, you know, being that rally cry for some people. And also, you know, you just, you get so much out of it yourself. You know, it's such an exchange of energy. It's not just pouring into one. They, they give you a lot back. And it was just weird to see that kind of hat. That transition was so strange for me, at least uh, going away from, from working the counter. But the thing I want to make sure I touch on before we move past, um, you know, the fitness modeling and, the, and the, the being a pioneer for online training, um, you lived a life, Micah, that I think a lot of young men, um, especially, you know, 13 to 18, even probably up to 24 even, um, where, you know, you had this unbelievable physique. You said you're mostly single mo- during this time. You're mostly single. You're getting paid great money, at least through your businesses and so forth. And you have some status, right? Everywhere you go, people know you. You're the most fit guy in every room. How did you, how did you walk that straight and narrow path with your faith? And what would you have done if you didn't have that? So my my faith at the time was what I called a little bit watered down. Um, so I'm not into alcohol. I'm not into drugs or anything like that. Um, I was I was single. I I I went on dates. I you know there was some some girls that were more serious. I was always a faith faith faithful guy. I wasn't doing any of that if I if I had a, a girlfriend. But I always made it very clear too. Like when I'm single, I'm single. Like if I want to go on multiple dates with other people, like I'm going to do that. But if I'm saying committed to you, then I will be fully committed to you. Um, And so that's kind of how that was. The straight and narrow was like I had lived this lifestyle that was based upon getting myself to the best place that I could. 
So I associated things like alcohol and drugs um, to things that ultimately would take that away from me. And so that earlier pain that I probably hadn't healed from fully yet, it there's a fear of it, of going back to that former self. And so for me, I was like, I'm, I'm never going to stop living this lifestyle. And this is where I think the pivot of that I had mentioned to you, you guys saw that cover earlier. We were talking about Alex Ardenti. Um, I had gotten in a car accident at the highest peak of my, uh, of my career. And I couldn't work out for almost a year. Oh my gosh. And I went and I worked at, there was a club in town called Blonde that had just opened up on the plaza. It was very ultra lounge bottle service, first of its kind, really. And he reached out and he's like, dude, you're awesome at social media. We want you to help us there, but we want you to run your door, run the door, essentially. Not a bouncer, but you control the men and women that get into the club. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, you can take all the tips you want. And so there's nights I'm making like $1,500 in cash just to what guys get in and whatnot. And, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm looking at what's going on inside and I'm going, gosh, dude, like this is, this is not me. And I'm around an environment that was not me. And I started seeing myself where depression started seeping in because I'm not working out. I'm not, I'm not living that lifestyle anymore. And ultimately I I saw myself drinking a little bit and whatnot. And and again, I was never a big drinker. I associated alcohol with, with a, uh, with, with a stepfather that was an alcoholic. And so I saw a lot of pain and abuse that came from it. And I was like, I don't, I don't ever want to drink. That was my associate on why I didn't, why I didn't drink. So what ended up happening was I'm at the lowest of low, you know, and, and I don't have an alcohol problem, but I'm drinking alcohol on occasion. Mm-hmm. And, um, I get a call from, or I get a, a, a MySpace message from a friend in LA and she goes, Micah, she goes, you're not going to believe this. I'm so proud of you. You're on the cover of muscle and body. And I was like, huh? I am. It's on, it's in every GNC right now on their front counter. And I'm like, what? And it was me and a girl named Jennifer Nicole Lee, who at the time had blown up. But when I shot that picture with Alex Ardenti multiple years before that, neither of us, you know, I mean, she, she was new on the scene. And I just remember Alex going, dude, you are one lucky dude, because he knew she was about to blow up. And then that cover came out and it was my pivot back in. And I knew because I had dropped weight, I had dropped muscle, I was, you know, I, I just wasn't in a good place. And I remember looking in the mirror, and this is where my faith came back in strong. And I knew it was like the Lord going, hey, you need to get back on track, dude. I got some big things for you. You got to get back on track. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, I will never drink another out, sip of alcohol in my life. And I will commit myself as fully as possible to this. And I accomplished way more than I could ever imagine than anything that I had done before that. What a cool story, yeah. man! So with the with there the uh, yeah, appreciate the, you sharing that with the car accident, man. What was the injuries? So what ended up happening is we're driving to Tampa. I was about to go do a job in Tampa, and there was a there was a ladder that had fallen off a man's truck. Yikes! And so final destination. I was with my mother and and her friend, and he had to swerve really hard. And I'm not ready for this at all. And my neck and my and my hip ends up hitting the side of of the door extremely hard, and I was jacked. Really, you know, massive whiplash, and you know, and looking back probably at it now, I, if I would have known how to recover properly, I probably could have got out of that within you know probably six months and really got back into it. But 
I had gotten into a depressive state and hope had dropped and whatnot. And I'm kind of feeling like my former self. So I, I, I didn't get in as quickly as possible. And I started even really shifting my mind on what I was going to do. Um, and, and ultimately that cover came out and I was like, Oh my gosh, thank God! like, this is it. Thank you, Lord. And, and I never looked back after that. Wow. How incredible, man. So you transition now to you're on this path of just like ultra focus, right? Um, had we opened up the, uh, the hitch fits at this point? Uh, so no, not yet. So we had multiple years there. Um, I had done a reality show in 2005 with Carmen Electra called, um, um, Manhunt. It was like America's next top model for men. Let's go. Yeah. And so you were on the show yeah. and, and Carmen Electra was the host. Yes. And, and she and was were, the hottest chick I'd ever seen yeah. in my life at that point. <laughs> and and, and yeah. probably to this day. Yeah. I mean, still, I, we still, were like, whoa. Yeah. And she had yeah. this lady just brushing her hair for like 20 minutes in a row, you know, between takes. But yeah, we were like, whoa. And I had met some friends that I'm still still cool with today and that's gosh that's oh four oh five find it Luke. find, find, it, Luke. Yes, find, find it manhunt and 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 I remember oh my gosh I gotta find the take of it it was so hilarious because when I I got I got on episode two I ended up getting cut uh-huh. and we're I'm sitting there and I'm like kind of angry and I'm like you know these guys these guys don't have anything on you know on uh yeah here it is <laughs> yeah there's John there's yeah there's Tate <laughs> Oh, Oh, man, it was so hilarious. And I remember, so they saw my body and they go, okay, you need to make sure that you, you drop. um, Let's see. Where am I? I mean, I'm in that, I'm in that, I'm in that picture right there. Try to reverse. Okay. You're you're about to get to it, I think. All right. Then hit play, Luke. Let them, there's Carmen. Let's see. Keep, keep going. It's. I remember I'm laughing. I'm right there next to the tall guy and right there. There I am. Oh, wow, dude. Yep. And somebody told you you needed to lose weight? Yeah. Lose so muscle? there I am right there. <laughs> yeah. With this tat. Yep. Okay. So. Yep. She's ugly. So. So anyways, <laughs> I, I just remember they were, they were like, hey, you need to drop some size because this is a fashion model show, not a fitness model show. And I was like, well, dude, I'm a fitness model, yeah. you know, and I'm going to be a fitness model. And uh, I ended up like I ended up dropping like 15 pounds or something to do that show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so skinny. And then I got there and I was like, man, these dudes are like way Real skinnier. Skinny. Yeah. And yeah, they're, <laughs> look how young I am. It's crazy. So, um, so long story short, I ended up getting cut early on and what ended up happening was I'm disappointed, but I made the relationship going back on relationships with a guy named Stuart Crosnow, who at the time was, was one of the big wigs over at Bravo. And I said, you know, Stuart, thank you for the opportunity of doing this and whatnot. He goes, Micah, I know you want to be a fitness model. I'm going to give you a connection. And I, he said, I can't promise anything or whatnot, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a connection. And I ended up meeting this photographer named Keith Munyon, and I went there and landed the cover of Men's Workout. And I remember, like, I'm broke at that time. You know, I'm, like, trying to make it, you know. And I, I, I'm i living over. in Olathe at that point, and I have to drive all the way to the 7-Eleven down on Rainbow Boulevard because they had the magazine. And I walk in, and I'm like, it's me. Tom Cruise and like Arnold or something. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and I bought like seven of them. I had to leave one, you know, yeah. still there. And the, the whole, the whole seven 11, like freaks out, like you're on a magazine. dude. <laughs> and, and so that was like, that was the 
coolest thing that I had ever done because it was the first thing. And I was like, okay, I think I can do something here. You Confidence know? being yep. built. Yeah. Yep. So it was actually that show that brought the, the fitness modeling around? Yes. Yeah. So the idea was there. The show brought the fitness modeling and then I went gangbusters with it and just, you know, went all out. And then, and then it was, it wasn't until 08 or 08 that the concept of Hitch Fit came together. And I met my wife at the same time at the Mr. Olympia in Vegas. Wow. And where's she from? Where's she that, she was living in Texas right? at the time, and she was training Priest Holmes at the time Where in the Texas. Odds? So I was like, dude, you're training Priest Holmes? Like that's, and she was like, who? I don't care about any of the football stuff. Now she loves the Chiefs. Yeah. But, um, but she's, she's from a small town in Vermont, and we were just total friends on MySpace. She was like, you know, I was like, you know, I would love to meet and whatnot. We can take a picture, you know, and post it on MySpace or whatever. And, and that, that was it. And, you know, within five minutes of meeting, I was like, oh my gosh, I think the Lord literally just brought my wife. And, and she moved two two months later to Kansas City. We've been inseparable since. That's nice. incredible, man. You guys, um, <laughs> you've done so many good things too with Hitch Fit and you're transitioning now into these, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but these retreats. Rock body, is that what that's called? It is, yeah. Rock body retreats. What's uh what what led you to do that? And and you know, was it difficult to step out of Hitch Fit as far as the day to day to do this? Yeah, so we had to the, it's been a very difficult time trying to juggle everything. That's that's two people operating hundred miles an hour seven days a week. That can get really exhausting. Um and so we knew we could play them together because the concept of what rock body was going to be essentially was leveling people up and pouring into people much like we do at hitch fit, but on a completely different scale, because we got to spend, you know, these four or five days with people in a very intimate space and then opening up in a, in a way where it was much longer than an hour. We're in some of the most beautiful places and resorts in the world and, and really able to kind of like mentor is a great word and mentor and lead them uh and hey, that's a lot of people sir. we had 90 yeah we had 90 at the last one in mexico so yeah it, it it's uh it's been amazing and you're talking all walks of life from millionaire entrepreneurs to a stay-at-home mom that that really is just trying to get get her body and 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 everything back it's been just fitness faith personal development um, and, uh, and me and my wife absolutely love it. And our business partners, I had kind of told you this story before, but we met Trav and Britt, uh, about two years ago. And this guy this bald head guy, dude, tons of energy network marketing guy, like is hounding me like, dude, we got to talk. We got to become friends. And I'm like, dude, I'm not getting on the phone with you, man. You're trying to sell me something. I'm not interested in it. Mm-hmm. And I finally, like after six months, eight months of him continuously hounding me, he was, I finally made the connection and goodness gracious, thank you, Jesus, for, for actually making that connection. Cause he ended up becoming, like I had mentioned, my fastest, probably best friend that I had ever had. This is Travis. Yes. You know, and in, in my inner circle really quickly. And he made such an impact on our lives and we were able to make an impact on his lives. So him and Britt had built rock body and had done one or two retreats before we got in, we got in and we were like, Hey, I like what you guys are doing, but we have to add a few elements to it that, 
if we're going to be a part of this. And mainly that was from a faith standpoint and entrepreneurial standpoint and some, some other aspects that, you know, we kind of live in. And we went through our first retreat together and I remember him just tearing up and was like, man, like this is, this is more than I could ever imagine, you know? And, uh, we got ready. Um, we, we were there, there he is right there. Um, Oh man, it's hard to even talk about him. I just posted about him yesterday, but he, uh, he was a unicorn in real life. He, he just, he, he literally was one in one in 50 million, <laughs> you know, just, just not, there's not many people like him. And he was so driven to impact people. He knew he had a, uh, an innate ability to make massive impact within minutes of meeting someone. And it was so unusual uh, what he was, what he was capable of doing. But long story short, uh, this last January, he, uh, he, he died tragically on a snowmobile on his birthday weekend. And it, there's his wife, Brittany. And, uh, we, uh, we, we were, we were torn. Yeah, we were torn. They have two children, um, really beautiful kids. And, uh, man, dude, he, he was, he was a great dude. But, so, you know, so now, you know, we, we were only two months away from that last retreat when this happened. And I was like, Britt, what do you want to do? And she looked at us and she, she text messaged us to loom jungle gym. <laughs> and, uh, she said, you know, our why just got a lot bigger. And he had, you know, two months before that, when we were in Mexico looking at, on a site visit, he had he had turned his heart and his, and his, and his eyes back to the Lord, which was really powerful and profound because he was really resistant against it. And he opened up, got emotional and, and he just got on fire. And then two months later he, he passed away. Um, and we had the opportunity to speak at a celebration. Thousands of people were online. I, I did, I knew he was connected. I didn't realize he was connected like that. Um, you know, six, 7,000 people watching online and, you know, a couple hundred at his celebration. And it was just, um, man. And so we, you know, my, my goal has always been going forward. I told Britt this and Diana and Diana was very close with him too, my wife. And, you know, we're just going to continue to, to push his flame forward, you know, and, and the vision, but man, he would be so excited about what, what's going on now, you know, with, with, uh, but it also reminds us guys, like we, we don't know how much time we have. Like you got to make each day. There he is. I mean, thousands and thousands of people. And he would just get on stages and lift people up. <laughs> Man. Yeah. He seems like an yeah. absolute inspiration of a person Yeah, and so, someone you couldn't, you know, not love when you first, you'd come out. in this room and be like, okay, dude, you need to be one of my best friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, um, you know, you guys are, you mentioned you, you're going to some new cool places. Yeah. What, what are, uh, people that are interested in this, uh, these retreats, uh, which it sounds like it's, um, you know, full kind of a transformative, uh, you know, to not to continue that, that theme, but it seems like it's very much a part of the retreat as well as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people that are coming to these retreats are, are at a point in their life where they're ready to open up and, and not only be able to receive, but also to give. And we build that culture in a way because we, number one, we want it to be a safe place for people. And number two, we want people to be truly impacted and changed through this. Uh, we saw one lady open up in, in, in this segment that we call Voices in the Villa, where people open up about some of the most painful things they've ever gone through. It was the first time she'd ever shared what she went through with a crowd. Um, and I had encouraged her after that. You know, I kind of called her out when she's in front of everyone after she spoke. And I said, 
what did you tell me, you know, uh, earlier yesterday? And she said, uh, and I said, no, you said you're going to open your business. She's six in her sixties. Said you're going to open your business when you get back home. And now you got to make the statement. And sure enough, she ended up starting her own business. Put it out in the universe. She did it, you know. Awesome. And so that's what we try to encourage people in doing. You know, we just, we try to give back as much as we can. We don't, we don't have any children of our own. We have our kids in Haiti that we've, that we've sponsored for many, many years. But we just, we try to give back in, in everything that we do. Um, whether that be a complete stranger at a grocery store to, you know, a retreat like this. So it feels like you have a great, um, it's a great opportunity, especially for those who have experienced that transformation at HitchFit, um, or, you know, with you online as a, as a personal trainer, et cetera, you know, they get to this transformation spot where they're really starting to feel good. And like you said, the retreat is also a place where they can give. And so like, you know, once they get that, that kind of confidence, right, where they've gotten this transformation internally and externally from HitchFit, that that feels like a naturally, you know, great next step. Are you seeing a lot of that? We are. We get a lot of hitch fitters that end up coming, you know, at least half the group is hitch fitters and, you know, they had a huge base as well. The other powerful thing I think about the retreats is, is we get to see people then in that environment and figure out where the leaders are and then give them the opportunity to be leaders at the retreat due to, you know, the type of individual they are. And so we've seen one of my, one of my closest friends, Marcus Collius came to one of the last ones that used to be the owner of Magnum and man, he left and he was like, I mean, him and his brother just poured into people and he's like, that was the most amazing event I'd ever gone to. Like it, it is transformational to the, to the core. And so what we wanted to do was like hitch fit enhanced essentially. And and bring this whole aspect. And, and again, you don't have to be a strong believer. There was people there that weren't believers. We don't push that onto people. It's just where our foundation is. And, uh, but we're open to ask any questions, answer anything that they may have. And if they're open to that, if they're not, dude, let's go throw around some dumbbells. Let's go get better, you know? And, and so that's, that's ultimately the, the big why of all of that. And then we have the conference in January. That's a, that's a big deal for us, a big speaker conference that we put together. So where's that going to be Tampa, Florida? Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yep. The end of, so we have some big names. Uh, uh, it, it, this has not been out yet, but there's a, a lady that owns women of faith. If you guys remember what that conference is, but they have millions of people in that network. She's going to be one of our speakers and some other pretty big names that we can't announce yet, but it'll be out soon. Exciting, very cool. Man. Yep. Very very cool. And I'm sharing my story for the very first time too. Oh, that'll okay, be cool. on that stage with my book that will come say out soon. Book going to be, yeah. you know, this is going to be a prereq to, yep. to launching the yep. book as well. Yeah. And cool, we're excited man. to dig into that as well with you. Um, you're in this, you know, you're in this cool spot, like we were saying, where you have all these new, you know, things to dig into. But let's say you, it's Diana is your wife's name. Yeah. Is that right? Let's say you and Diana are just being selfish with your time. And you say like, hey, we want to we want to connect. We want to do something for just the, us. What do you guys do? We do all, it all the time. Yeah. What's that like? For you so guys? we call it recharging, but we go, we go literally travel the world and we go hike the coolest mountains and most beautiful places in the world. So we just got back from Norway and we did Norway for about two weeks. And I mean, epic, epic hikes. Um, some of that stuff's on my Instagram and whatnot. We've done Iceland. We've, so the summer months are our anniversary and her birthday. So we don't celebrate with gifts. We celebrate with experiences. Um, and so we build epic vacations for ourselves that's just her and I. 
uh, for Thanksgiving. We don't we don't stay here and do turkey and whatnot. We go to Tulum, Mexico, and do fish tacos together. That's cool. You know, like we yeah, that's that's cool. that's in Norway. How beautiful! Man. I mean, dude, it was insane. That's not a real place. Yeah, it looks, it look looks at CGI. Yeah. So that location right there is unknown right Bro, now. Were you it's, a little it's not scared? Instagram. No, because I had done <laughs> it looks this a little rock. Scary. No, not that uh, one. If uh, you go find the rock that was a couple days before that, I did this. This uh, dude, it was so scary. We were three thousand feet off the ground, and it's this rock that's lodged into two mountains, and you got to take the step out to it, and there's nothing to hold on to. Here we go, dude. It's just a rock. It, it's three thousand feet down. Oh my god! Yeah. That is the scariest thing I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the second scariest hike in the world. But you're telling Dude, me that you should have brought uh, your wingsuit, then you could have just is. jumped right off. This is an Instagrammy, though? You're saying Dude. this is not like a... No, this one is very popular. The last location yeah. is a hidden location that people haven't found yet. Are you on some but message it will board? Get, it'll get Where, super. Hold on. So yeah. there was one girl that we found this this hike from, and, and she gave a really run around answer on how to navigate to it it was almost like a treasure chest type of like you're going you got to find the x and then the x you got to take a right make a left so yeah there's troll's tongue that was cool too that is crazy um and some of these hikes you know they take they take 10 11 hours to get to and so we do these challenging things and then there's also this symbolic nature you know as you get into the bible of understanding climbing mountains and how it relates to your relationship with the Lord. They always would climb a mountain to then communicate with the Lord. So for us, it's, there's, there's a lot to it, but that's how we have, we we're forced to disconnect Mm -hmm. from our phones outside of photos and videos and stuff. And we're just together and bonding and, and full connection, full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and dude, it hurts going all the way up and all the way down. Like hiking is not, you know, joyful. But like, that in result is yeah. like, dude. Yeah, I, I, I more the the older I get, the more I enjoy it, like uh, vacations that are doing active things versus like my my wife likes it's almost to like sit you call that beach. traveling. Well, <laughs> my wife likes to. Uh, sit. I was more. I I'm a I'm a hunter, and so I more I and more that. I'm just like, you know. Oh, he's about, Luke's about to go on a hunting uh, expedition himself. He thinks he's going to shoot a bear. Luke's going to bring back some bait. You yeah. going grizzly? Yeah. I, black bear. Black. But either way, I, I feel like, you know, do, hiking or doing hard stuff together on a, on a vacation is much more my speed now. Yeah. It, it, like, I, like I said, we get to, we get to see so many beautiful places that, you know, and, and where this all started in all honesty, the hiking side was COVID. Yeah, because we were limited and I'm, I'm going crazy. You know, we have our own gym so I can go train and stuff like that. But I'm like, dude, we're, we're not traveling. Like I got to go do something. And it was the national parks. Oh yeah. So we started doing like Maine and, and, and that's when I tore my calf. Oh, that was bad. Um, but tore your calf. Then you're like, let's hike this mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, and I, I had a grade three tear that I healed in 40 days. Oh my God. And I, man. a crazy routine that I, I, yeah. So 4 million more reps. Yeah, I, I thought about giving it to Joe Burrow, but then I thought, you know, <laughs> do not, nah, do nah, not, sir. I, I'm too big of a cheese fan. Yeah. So this is Asheville. So this will be a part of, uh, the, the hike there that we're, uh, 
we're getting on to. Oh, but just cool. Beautiful. So you guys were kind of inspired. So yeah. So we we ultimately like we'll go and f- and build the whole itinerary. Scout, if you yes. will. Yes. Yeah. And so and cool. epic and and just pretty much build it before. So we've yeah. done it all. That one they'll see, which is really cool. Well, that was real close to who Hunger sets Games. Up, uh, who sets up like the travel side of things? So do you have a travel agent or anything, or you guys are just straight up booking the flights? Dude, the same way I built relationships hotels. with magazines. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I literally just you know I I I, I cold call them and. And what's been the hardest is not the stuff in the U.S. The U.S. stuff is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's when you're starting to communicate with uh, in Mexico because the, their pace at which they communicate with is much slower in general. Sometimes their communication barrier is a little bit different, too. And you're trying to negotiate and explain what it is you do and what you want. And so, like, we, we just got back from Mexico last weekend. We went and looked at a, at a really amazing resort we're going to do our next retreat in, in in 2024. And But it took me five months to get through the whole contract. And then once we got there, we had to go, okay, we need to do this event here. We need to do this event here and, and really lay it out. And, you know, once you're face-to-face, it's much easier, but... It it takes some grind, and yeah. you gotta you gotta pretty much be a, about a year out on some everything. Real patience, yeah, huh? yeah. You you um. So you mentioned like that's for the business. Now, yeah. when it comes to just you and your wife, let's say going to Norway, did you guys have any help with that whatsoever? So my wife is really nerdy with itinerary. She actually has an itinerary creator business. So we build these epic like trips that we do on our own, and she documents everything from the hotels. I, I built a YouTube channel essentially or, or a playlist that has cool gems across the world and I just tour them and you know for people because I'm always like dude we got to know where we're going I got to know where to work out and whatnot so that's been Iceland was the best tons more people just like yeah. you that are looking for help with that exactly yeah. and and well. and so ultimately yeah she builds these itineraries and I go okay and she's like old school paper map where she goes, we're going to go here and here and then she get on the internet. And then for me, what I do on the side is I go, okay, I want to go see really cool places. So I'm trying to find some of the coolest hikes, some of the coolest areas and whatnot. And, and, uh, and then she kind of builds it all together. How cool, man. Yeah. yeah. I got to find She's, grocery stores. I got to have all that. Cause I got to have chicken. I got, you yeah. know, I'm like, do they have chicken and gym? I, that's, that's what I need. I'll show up. <laughs> that's funny. Iceland definitely had all those. My, my brother-in-law said that, uh, Iceland's the coolest place he's ever been. Dude, it is. There's parts of it like Mars yeah. and then parts of it that you're just like the fjords and you're just like, Whoa, yes. dude. Matt Vincent was one of our guests on here. I don't know if you, uh, if you know his name, but Matt was uh, told us, you know, he's traveled all over the world. Um, him and Bonnie have, um, uh, you know, great business and they, 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 they bring people on retreats as well. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is I was like, you know, name one spot, you know, that you're going to die in. Where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to Iceland. Oof. He said it's another planet. It, not only that, but man, you go into those gyms and like very they strong are, they culture. are n- another level. And I kind of expected that in Norway too. And Norway wasn't that way. Really? I didn't see a whole lot of fit people in Norway, like bodybuilder fit, CrossFit fit type of bodies. The minute you go to Iceland, I mean, it's dude, the, the best of the best of the best. These girls, these women training like super hard. Yeah. And, you know, everything is glute loaded, you know, and yeah. everything is 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 real CrossFit based. There's some bodybuilding, but a lot of CrossFit and a lot well, of strongman. It is crazy that you have, you know, a 
a small population that you've had some of the best athletes in the world come out of, you know, the strongest man in the world come out of, you know, the top placers in the CrossFit games come out of. It's kind of crazy that that it's just that culture, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The way that they live is just different. I mean, it's so disciplined. Uh, They respect their country and everything within it so, so much as well. And even a lot of the laws like no McDonald's and no strip clubs. Like they have specific laws of going, both of these things are going to lead to probably things that aren't the best yeah. for our people. Like there's things that they just go in and, you know, they, there's no, no tolerance on anything. You know, it's just, there's it, no McDonald's. This is how and, we operate. Yeah. Be strong. You know, <laughs> you're like, okay. Dude. Yeah. I had no idea about that yeah. aspect of it. Yep. How strange, man. But what, like, but you know, I get the value in that for sure. We, um, we have a specific question that we ask all of our guests. We haven't gotten any cheats. We haven't gone any kind of length to talk about. Um, Do you cheat your, on your diet? Your ever? relationship with food. Yes. You know? Okay. Great. Great question. Um, so commitment is everything to me and discipline and the lifestyle is everything to me. But we also, me and my wife, you know, cause my wife always lets everyone know she won two world championships and I won one, you Ooh, know? Yeah. yeah. So, Make it clear. um, yeah, but I, I left the champion and she lost that year. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, she, she probably should have won that year, but anyways. Um, so when it comes to food, we go through periods still at this age where we go through preps and we do photo shoots still at this point every single year, at least once or twice a year. You did so, that before you went to Mexico, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those photos, Luke. And uh, as diced as ever. Yeah, and 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 I love going through the process because each time I grow, now that one was really challenging because I lost Trav. Mm-hmm. So I'm dealing with chronic stress and grief and everything else. And then, and then um, you know, uh, I, I tore a calf in, in Costa Rica, like a bad calf tear. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I still got to shoot. It doesn't matter. So I'm compressing this thing, dry needling, doing all this stuff that, you know, trying to get myself repaired. I essentially went to a doc. He said, dude, you just got to lay off of it. It's, you know, it's 12 week process. And I go there, there's the tour. That was three days later. God, dude. Yeah. I mean, I did, I show the whole entire (laughs) process, you know, but from a bodybuilder standpoint, look at how gnarly this is. I was like, I was like, dude, I could, my, my calf just gained two inches in size. My calf is now 20, my calf is now 21 inches. You know, that's 13 days later, I'm jumping on it. And, and I like, it was bad, man. It was bad, bad. That was so painful. Oh, it was you painful. That trampoline? It oh was my painful. Gosh. But I knew muscle well enough. And I also knew my body and how healthy I was eating and whatnot that I could, cause I didn't take any peptides. I didn't do any of that route for healing. I was very clear. God was like, I'm going to heal this thing in miraculous time. And I'm going to have you stay disciplined to how you recover this. And I ultimately, like, I stayed to that. But there were days I was just, like, tears coming down my face. Not from the pain. The pain hurt. But I was just so frustrated because I'm like, dude, I got to go to a retreat and be my 100% self after Trav passed away. And, like, I'm like, what in the world? And so I had 21 days to prep. And my, my biggest fear was I wasn't going to be able to walk on sand. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting to the resort and my calf is still in a lot of pain. It's a true test. But yeah, yeah but, but ultimately I, uh, I, I did a video where I, where I walked on sand and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, 
And then they're like, you want to play volleyball? I was like, no, I'm not playing volleyball. <laughs> not yet. Walking on not sand yet. is a good one. Yeah. But day, about day 40, I was jumping again, <laughs> like jumping, jumping. So, so the bottom line is when it comes to food, it's like we're, we're in it to win it. Yeah. And it, yeah, to go, go back to it. So when I'm disciplined, I'm very disciplined. We don't make mistakes unless it's a scheduled cheat is what I call it. And mm-hmm. then when we are off season, especially when we go into like more of a hiking season, I'm eating more performance-based. So, for instance, people will ask, like, what, what is your big cheat meal and whatnot? Like, I eat as big of a steak as I possibly can and plates of French fries. Like, th- like that's what I love. I'm not a dessert person, so I eat probably dessert once a year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not my big thing, but I love French fries. My wife loves, like, chips and, you know, those sorts of crunchy type of things. So, we, like... My association with food is very fuel-based and me waking up and feeling good. If I start putting a whole bunch of garbage into me, like I'm not productive. Mm-hmm. I'm lazy, I'm foggy, you know, and and we're just, we have too much stuff going on. I can't be in that state of mind and and, and be as productive as I need to be. Yeah, it's a, an unbelievably great way to look at things. I wish I could do the same. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It, I would love to feel that way. <laughs> It, it it's something you know that also takes work to get to too. To say the least, you yeah. know. Um, and I, I've told him multiple times that I, you know, when you diet down or you do like a prep, you know, um, every time that you diet down, you're building more and more discipline. You're realizing the the longer that you spend in that state of being like hungry, um, the more you realize like I'm not gonna die. This is fine. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. this is fine. And um, you build that. You build like a. Um, just a, an muscle. ability. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a muscle, an ability to be able to say no to food to where now it's like, you you know, anytime, anywhere I can, you know, basically make an easy choice on whether I want to eat something or not. And mine's a lot goes back to what you were saying on how is it going to make me feel, you know, cause fried Correct. food, yeah, waking up feeling good. Like you said, was the, is the, yeah, the one that resonates the most with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's another level of accountability of I'm out there also preaching a message that is specific. I don't want to be a hypocrite to that. I'm very open about the fact of when I cheat and, you know, and, and I, I gain what I call, I, I call it a tank top hero when I'm in that state is more of my bulky fluffy state, but that state is still, a, a very good condition. Still better that, than yeah, 99.9%. Right. Yeah. 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 And so people are always like, and I'm like, yeah, but like, you got to understand like my level to me is what acceptable is that top level that I get my physique to. Yeah. And, and locking into that mode is, is very, very challenging for people mm-hmm. to get to. So yeah, that's my fluffy state there where, you know, at the belly button is about 36 and then I get it down to about 31 and a half. We the should, belly button there. we should note though, still visible at 70 days. We call yeah. those, uh, the, uh, the turtle <laughs> shell yeah. Yeah. where you could really stick it out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this leads to, you know, the thing that we were surprised about because with, with all these unbelievable opportunities, you know, you could have opened up, you know, a hundred hitch fits in California, you know, but you chose to stay in Kansas city. We are known for barbecue. We like to ask everybody at the end of every show. If you had to pick one place, where do you send people? I guess, I guess that's probably the number one question you get when people come to visit you is like, take me to some of this Casey barbecue. Where do you take them? So, um, and you can get good options, you know, yeah, if you go to a barbecue there's, place, there's, there's options. There's a lot. I mean, Joe's is fantastic. Probably Q39 is a, you know, is a, Higher end barbecue, for instance. I mean, Gate is traditional. I don't go to, I, I like Gates just for the experience of bringing someone in there for the first time and they start yelling at them and they're freaking <laughs> out. So yeah. I always do that experience with friends. Yeah. Um, but probably, you know, Jack Stack is, you know, um, you know, is probably up there. But yeah, probably, probably Q or, 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 uh, 
I mean, dude, they're they're all they're all good. It, unfortunately, it's you know it it candy coated chicken, yeah, it is. or <laughs> beef, yeah, and so true. like my mind thinks like that and goes. Yeah. But every once in a while, like a burn ins burger from <laughs> from Q thirty nine sounds it's really ridiculous. good, yeah. and I can justify it by going, well, I'm going to do leg day, and then you know, so oh, yeah, that's how the mind works. Yeah. But and every they, once in a while, we cheat for sure. Good, I love that, man. Uh, for all of our listeners, where can they best find you? Uh, you can find me on hitchfit.com, uh, Mister Hitchfit on on Instagram. Um, Any underscores or anything? No, it's just Mister Hitchfit. We well, we have do we have like 17 social medias that I run every single day. I'm on a Peloton for an hour and a half in the morning at 3.30 and I build all my content still. Also at Rock Body Retreats. If yeah, you're Rock, Body Re- Rock Body Retreat. Yeah. Yep. Um, dude, thank you for coming on, man. Man, what a really, blast. Really Pleasure, good hearing man. your story, I, I love man. what you guys are doing and, thank and you. keep keep crushing it because uh, you're making an impact and, and uh, yeah, man, I love it. We certainly try. Thanks, Appreciate man. your time, man. Yep. A whole lot. It means a lot. Yep. Thank thank you. We'll see you later, man. All right, brother.